This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0 and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair... Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. Thursday night, just got done uh, watching Tommy Boy with uh, with my fiance. I've never watched Tommy Boy before. Have you ever watched Tommy Boy, John? Oh yeah, a long time ago when it first came out. Yeah, we're on this kick of we're just watching a bunch of comedies like before bed because you know a lot of really good TV shows are kind of dark and you know they're really good but they're a little dark and then just with kind of what's going on in the world we're trying to. Do a little bit more comedy stuff. So yeah, so I was watching Tommy Boy right before you hit me up and said you're ready to record. So I'm in. I'm in a little bit of a of a goofy Chris Farley mood. No, that's uh, that's cool. I mean, I I'm kind of that's not my easy style comedy. I like you know what no comedy I like the jerk with Steve Martin. You know, like that. Mm-hmm. I, I like that's what I've been doing. I'm trying. I'm trying to watch like all this old stuff, which Katrina just kind of reminds <laughs> her that I'm nine years old in her. You know. Oh yeah, she's like, oh yeah, I remember my parents talking about that movie. Oh yeah, she's she's like, okay, you're, I'm, I'm sitting there listening to George Michael doing the dishes. <laughs> I don't know, it's in George Michael mood. I don't know, man. The guy's a great singer, and she's just like, wow, this is my mom used to love love George Michael. You know. <laughs> So, yeah, so uh, in a Tommy Boy mood, but, you know, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. I uh, want to remind folks that the Rocky Three podcast is out. So, Dune and I have three of the podcasts out. There's uh, there's like six left to go. So, there, there's still a lot of Rocky for the summer. It's a, it's a, it's a summer of Rocky. Um, and uh, Rocky Three is actually what I consider the most rewatchable movie of the Rocky series and we'll get to four which for others is the most rewatchable but a lot of people a lot of four is up and down like some people really love four and some people think it's like not a good film at all and doing and i actually do talk about why and i think a lot of it has to do with kind of the age of Mm -hmm. of uh the person because you know you and i when we were you know when we were in our you know early sort of preteen. Like we had a we had a lot of uh, cable and HBO and VHS, and so they used to just play movies over and over and over. Like I swear to God, I've seen the movie Six Pack with Kenny Rogers like a hundred times, because when I was like ten on HBO, you're like, do I want to watch you know syndication? Or do I want to watch movies and you just yeah. keep it on HBO? And I swear, you know, six packs while he's on. So, you know, if, if you were a little bit younger and, and you were 
watching HBO, I'm sure Rocky Four was on all the time. So, but Rocky Three to me is the most watchable. Like, like if they're if that movie's on, like I definitely have to sit and watch for at least twenty minutes. And if I get hooked, then I'm just there for the whole time. Yeah. So Rocky One's like for us Italians is up there at the Godfather. Godfather. I mean, Rocky One's the best film. Yeah, it's the best movie movie. But of the series, if you just want to chill out and watch a good like like watching three and four like back to back is a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep, that, so 4 will be out uh, next week on Tuesday night, so you can check that one out. Also want to point out that uh, at the end of this show, so John and I will talk about, uh, we'll talk a little bit of New Japan, we're going to talk about AEW and NXT, we'll do a little bit of a Extreme Rules, the horror show at Extreme Rules, we'll talk a little bit about that show, and then... Robert Silva will join to talk about the greatest fights of all time and just kind of what's going on in boxing right the now. So, great. The great Robert, Robert Silva. Silva. Great Robert Silva. So uh, so he, he'll be on in the last segment. And uh, also uh, for Monday's show, Carlos Toro will join me to talk about um, the Extreme Rules. That'll be the... We'll, we'll be up for the post-game show for Extreme Rules and then uh, in the second part of that show, John and I will do our WCW Saturday Night review, except <laughs> it's not on the network. So we couldn't do the, I think it was the July 18th episode of WCW Saturday Night. And instead, we uh, are going to review the uh, Great American Bash 1992. So that, you know, that that's the show that is uh, right before... That sat that Saturday night show, and you know it's 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 the first like real Watts show, Watts main show. So we'll talk about that show uh, in lieu of our, our Saturday night, and then we'll the next week. I think I think it's on the network, so we'll we'll get right back into uh, our normal cadence of doing those reviews uh, on on the the next week's show. Uh, I was kind of bummed, like I like I I feel like WWE Network is pretty consistent in like. You know, it's just a solid subscription service, and uh, you know the app k- k- kind of sucks for my for me on the iPad. I keep getting logged out, but other than that, I'm just like, ah, it's a total like consistent service. And then I was so mad that they didn't have this episode. Well, we we the great Robert Silva actually hooked us up with the episode, but when I clicked on to watch it on, it's actually on YouTube, no audio. Yeah, yeah. So that was a bummer. So. I wonder, decided if, I wonder if WWE pulled the audio on it or something. I don't, I don't I don't know. I don't know. But it was a bummer, but you know, you get to talk about the Great American Bash 92 and but yeah, I know it's weird. I think they must have lost that master and and they still want to put up uh sometimes they used to take stuff from YouTube, remember and buy it off someone or, or mm-hmm. just, and and put it up there like lower quality, but maybe they just don't don't want to do that right now. This not a high priority for them. I guess. They, they don't know about our show. That's why. That's they they do. <laughs> uh, okay, so um, yeah, so so actually, let's get started. And I want to start with New Japan. Um, they had a show last weekend. So they 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 had the New Japan Cup, and then they did the finals, of the New Japan Cup, and Evil beat Okada, which set him up for a title match against Naito. So it was Evil and Naito and on the on the New Japan Cup final Evil turns heel, joins the Bullet Club. And so it's Bullet Club against uh against Naito's crew. Um and 
I don't know what you thought about the match, but my feeling is without Okada or Tanahashi in the championship role, they need to cut down the matches because I think if Naito and Evil had like a 15-minute match mm-hmm. where they didn't have to do a lot of the the extra 15 minutes or 20 minutes of 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 you know what Okada would do, I think the match would be so much better. But you know, sitting at 35 minutes or whatever that match was, I was just like, they need to do something here because they're losing my uh, you know my patience. Yeah, they kind of they New Japan gets stuck in that uh, mode of like the main event has to be you know 20 25 plus minutes. Um, this I felt was just more. I mean, it was a long match, but it's all about the angle, right? Yeah. With Evil joining Bullet Club and becoming the double champion and i'm all i'm all cool with that but i like you i think it would have been better cut down maybe a little wilder a little more brawling yeah um and then you know all the shenanigans with the the bullet club and of course you know he's the mask man is really be dick togo and all that so i think that <laughs> if that, that would have came all together a little quicker i think it would have been i think it would have been a lot better too but uh, i thought evil looked good though um Naito, he he looked good, but you know, like a lot of people were upset. I mean, I can't, can't believe a lot. I think people were just shocked, which I think with the you know COVID nineteen and the you know the crowds you know not full capacity because they're they're not letting everyone in, and I think it's okay to do something different and change things up. But I think it freshens the top with evil. Um, I just the only thing that sucks is that they rely so much on the interference of Bullet Club. Mm-hmm. And it gets old, and you know, and I wasn't really. Uh, I mean, I was kind of over the other stuff in the middle of the match, but <laughs> you know, the uh, the table in front of the referee, the pulling off the turnbuckle pad in front of the referee. Like at the point when all the interference came and the referee's not doing anything, like who cares now, right? At this point, but uh, but I do like Gato's idea of you know just just let's change things up big time here, and and I think it's okay to have now you have Okada chasing, Naito chasing, and you know Tanahashi can chase, and you know sets up some big matches for you know twenty twenty. So, from what I understand, the idea is that they wanted a heel to be the champion here so that whoever the baby faces that that chases, you know, they have that dynamic. And what I wonder is, is if Evil got the title because Jay White is not mm-hmm. in New Japan right now. And I wonder if he was the guy who they originally wanted in this role. That'd be good. I think I, mean, I, I would. I would love to have CJ win it again. I, I thought he made a pretty good champion for. I think he didn't have that long, but uh, he was he was really good and he had some great matches. Um, <laughs> you know, classic with Tanahashi when he won it, and then of course you and I live at Master Garden we witnessed that great match, the classic mm-hmm. um, when Okada won it here here in New York. So um, yeah, you mean you mean the match that uh, that was after the the ladder match that we walked out on. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was awesome. <laughs> Best thing decision I made all night. You know, I'm, I'm apologize to our boy Nick. Nick, who, uh, yeah, Matt Nick. David. What's up, Nick? Um, uh, but you know, because his boy Matt Taven was in the ring, and and now he was all happy. But damn, I cannot, I cannot hang. I cannot hang with that. So I, but, I will say that that was a long day, and I really needed to stretch my legs. And I knew that Okada. And Jay White were going a long time, and I did I did not want to be yeah. tired and sore or frustrated. So I was like, okay, we, we can do this. We can we can walk around uh, and R- Rubio with Rubio. Yeah, and um, Jay White's uh, he's in the United States right now, right? So 
So he's, uh, I don't know if he's going to be doing those LA Dojo. I don't think he's going to be doing LA Dojo shows, but I know he was there. Do you know if they're doing more of those? I believe so. Yeah. I think they're doing like, uh, some kind of a tournament or something. So yeah, you'll see definitely more. So we're, we're setting up, uh, Jeff and Carl, right? Like that's kind of the match that seems to be setting up. I believe so. I haven't, I was just talking to Cobb the, the other day and I was like, oh man, I, got, I still got to watch your match and stuff. I know. I want to watch the tag. That That's the one I want to watch yeah, so and far, but. And also want to see Tom, Tom Lawler and um, Rocky Romero's match. I want to see how Tom mm. looked. So, so it's just, you know, of course, you know, busy, busy with stuff and. Then again, I'm also watching Mid Atlantic 1985, and I know I can't believe you're watching Mid Atlantic 1985, and you're watching WCW 92, and you're watching AEW 2020, and World Class 1987. <laughs> <laughs> what a what a mix! I know it's a sickness, dude. It's a sickness. I, I texted my buddy. I'm like, it's a sickness. He's like, he's like, when do I, I keep thinking about this stuff? I can't. Oh, you know, the Battle Bowl. You know, I was thinking about the oh, Battle yeah, Bowl yeah, yeah. Or, 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 the article that you wrote. Yeah, yeah it's up for, there for people who want to read it. For Fight Game. And I was like, I'm sorry. I just can't take my, turn my brain off. You know, I just, I'm just a sickness. He's like, it's not a sickness. It's what you do. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, it's just, I have to watch something. But I know I need to watch those, those matches on the network, I mean, on, on the, New Japan World, excuse me. Did, did you see that they're doing a uh, like a epilogue episode of the the last ride after Extreme Rules? Yeah, I noticed. I, I saw that too, and I'm like, what the heck? We're gonna. I guess. I guess I'll watch it because I really like. I really like that series, Last Ride with Undertaker. I. It seems like um, may, maybe like a, a bunch of stuff that they decided to cut out at the last minute, mm-hmm. but could be still entertaining. And some of that stuff was was the stuff that i liked which was kind of like you know behind the scenes a little bit and him being a little goofy um, he goes psych <laughs> at the <laughs> end of it <laughs> one more match is gonna happen but when the fans come back that's what i'll do it yeah for sure he should not do anything with no fans yeah um okay so the evil winning the championship as a part of bullet club to me i am open to what gato has in store I'm not going to be like, ah, oh, this sucks or, oh, this is great because it's it's a story. It's the beginning of a story that they're trying to tell. And I I think turning Naito babyface is, is positive because he's, you know, he's still very popular. And uh, I, 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 I can't, I mean, I, I have no idea what they're doing with Okada. I have no idea what they're doing with Tanahashi. They have so many guys that I still enjoy watching and, and when... You know, when, when they figure out how to quarantine the folks coming from out of Japan, outside of Japan, like Will Ospreay and the aforementioned Jay White, uh, Juice Robinson, oh. and all the Jeff Cobb, all like all those guys, the, the roster just becomes so much better than it is currently. So I, I, I can't wait for them to actually do that. And, uh, and it looks like Evil and uh, Takahashi at the next show. Yeah, that's. Uh, I still have. I still. I need to go back to and watch Takahashi and Ishii. Everyone really raved about that match. Um, it's. It's. I guess because of COVID nineteen, there's you know the opening up to like. I don't think this match happens if there's no COVID nineteen, right? I don't think they'll let this a junior heavyweight and heavyweight thing go at it. I don't know. Maybe they're. Maybe they. They change their mind in twenty twenty, but I just think like if it wasn't with how the world is going on right now, I think, mm-hmm. I don't think we get this, this unique matchup. Yeah. I, I saw uh, Takahashi and Okada or Hiromu has, because there's a bunch of 
Takahashi's. Uh, Hiromu Nokata was good for sure. I, I don't know if it was um, better than uh, the Ishii match, but I mean, he's he's got tons of charisma. I just worry about him because even on this stage of empty arena wrestling, like he was still trying to mm. show out, you know, and yeah. and just with his injury uh you know coming back from the injury and it's a scary injury and he's you know kind of i I, just, I hope that wrestling the uh, against the heavyweights that that he wrestles a little bit smarter but i can't imagine so because that's kind of why he's in there right like he's in there to bump like crazy and do crazy stuff and you know as a smaller guy going against a heavyweight like you need to take like the if the story of the match is the little guy has to take a little high, a little more risk, right? So, and he, him, he does those, you know, sent on on the top of the floor, and you know, put his, you know, put his body on the line just to to get the win. So, unfortunately, he's probably still going to wrestle that style, and and I know I worry about it too because you know neck injuries are so serious. All right, so uh, before we get to our AEW and NXT uh, likes and dislikes, want to quickly uh, talk about. Our friends at Bet Online. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. The Giants and the Dodgers, one week from tonight. Amazing. And we got some preseason games, which I'm going to tune in for. Giants, yeah, Giants and A's earlier in the week. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and, and the NBA bubble is, you know, raring to go. It's, kind of, it's ridiculous. It's, it's coming so fast. And there's no better place to start than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Get in on the action for this week's big UFC fight, or check out odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and the Premier League. So it's a uh, it's uh, Figueredo against uh, Benavides uh, for UFC this weekend. And last weekend, I like doubled my uh, my money on Bet Online. I, I I had a couple of parlays and I had some straight up bets. And I didn't miss on anything, so was able to, to double my money. Uh, so ch- check it out. You know, betting on UFC fights is a lot of fun. And if you know somebody who's pretty close to the game, you know, someone like Ryan Frederick on, on our website, I just asked him, like, who on the undercard, like, is, is probably a bigger favorite than most are thinking. And he's like, oh, it's this person, this person. I'm like, sweet. Hmm. Put money on that person. So, um... You should ask me because I'm winning our competition. <laughs> Actually, don't ask me because how I'm winning, I just don't even understand. You know, just, <laughs> just don't follow it at all right now. Just take your mind off and just pick blindly, I guess. Uh, can't wait for your team to come back. Bet Online has futures, odds, including win totals, division winners, and even league championships. Check out daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code blue wire to receive your new welcome bonus that's promo code blue wire bet online your online wagering experts okay so let's go into our likes and dislikes of wednesday night's show um i will let you kick it off (laughs) with the aew likes because i have a feeling that if you start um and, and, and you starting is probably better here because because I think we're going to be different on a lot of stuff for this show. Well, you know, I was not a fan of this episode at all. I I, I made a tweet out to today 
And he said, you know, it was like WSW 2000 level, which got a lot of reaction. <laughs> um, it's positive and negative. Um, but I just was so, I mean, I'm not saying like the moves they do in these matches aren't exciting and all that, but like just the storytelling so off and so wrong and so back ass, you know, ass backwards. And so I was like, God, I got to pick some likes and really, 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 I found I did like something a lot. I thought Mox's promo mm-hmm. was really strong. That was a really strong promo, which you know maybe want to see the match a little bit more. And I liked that he brought some realism to the story of the you know Brian Cage's injured bicep that kept him out for five months. And you know I really I really enjoyed that and its intensity in that promo. That was that was my first like. So for me, the first thing that I liked on this show was a very predictable Chris Jericho segment with Orange Cassidy. The outrageousness of Jericho on this uh, segment uh, just made me smile and it made me laugh. I knew where everything was going the second he opened his mouth. Like I could have called every single thing that happened with the uh, orange juice coming down because of his, you know, because of his expensive jacket and he's wearing white um, to uh, actually the thing that I didn't know was that he was going to talk about uh, the ratings. I was like, yeah, that was a little bit coming out of left field. That was, that was, I can't believe it. Like it just seemed, it seemed pretty like immature i guess you know like they're what, what do you if you guys won the demo and you think that's what it's, that's the most important and you know it is a porn demo but like it just they came off like babies i don't even remember i don't remember wwf ever doing this during the uh the monday night war when they were losing i don't remember them ever comp- like saying anything on their show i remember wcw gloating and you know mm-hmm. we're winning again you know but wf never did they just kept doing their thing and they finally got hotter and of course, we know the history of that. So I just thought that was a little bit too much. But I understand what Jericho's doing. He's just trying to. But who are you rallying up? Like, are you just rallying up this like select hardcore like WWE fan base? Or I, I don't think he's rallying up the WWE side. I think he is cheerleading the AEW hardcore fan base. So this is clearly to me. Well, he has a shirt now, right? So I think that's what he was. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and the, the demo God is, is, is very clever, but I, I think he's talking to a, a small select group of AEW fans who care about this stuff. And, and it is small. No, you know, the, the majority of fans do not even understand ratings. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, but this is kind of what AEW does is they cater to their hardcore fan base, which I think personally um, hurts their ability to to grow because they're thinking small rather than thinking big. And this is just another version of that. Now, I don't think it hurts anything um, because it, it's just Jericho, you know, mm-hmm. using different creative ways to get heat and and, you know, ultimately he looks like the idiot at the end. But the part that I liked about this the most was, you know, the the orange juice comes down and he's pissed off and Ortiz is swimming in it and, and all that and they're slipping and Hager's mad. And then they throw him the towel mm-hmm. and he takes the towel and in my head I go, Cassidy's on the towel. Yeah, it has yeah, to be. And he opens it, Cassidy's on the towel. 
I knew it was coming and I loved it. It was really just just a fun segment. WWE used to do these all the time on Raw. You know, it is Jericho in in the Vince McMahon role, even though Orange Cassidy's not necessarily Stone Cold Steve Austin, yeah. but you know, just showing ass really was, was what it was, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, you know, I I I when I'm watching this segment, I'm just like, then why did you let Orange Cassidy kick out of the bat shot? Because there goes all, like I said, there goes all the heat. Like he beat, you know, Orange Cassidy kicked out of the belt, the 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 belt, the bat shot at the uh, the the at the previous event, right? Mm-hmm. And he survived a bunch of extra mo- other moves, but finally he lost to you know Jericho's elbow. So that's why I was saying last week, if he beats him with the bat shot, right? Now he comes on TV and he's gloating that he beat Orange Cassidy. He's old news. I exposed him as a joke and a fraud. But that's the heat because the fans know, watching, know that you didn't really beat him. You had a cheat, you jerk. You know, we want to see this rematch. But I don't want to see a rematch because I always seen Orange Cassidy survive a, a bat shot. right? And I seen you beat him clean. So I think that's what I was so frustrated about the segment. Like, if they want to continue this, now last week they should have had him just go over with that bat shot instead of that, instead of having kicked out of that. It would have added more to the segment. They don't seem to like finishes like that, though. Oh, we're gonna bring them to, uh, finishes later too. But <laughs> they need it. They, you know, it's okay. It's okay to do stuff like that every once in a while. It will mean it means something when you do it every once in a while. Now, yeah, if it's 1996, 97 Nitro when the NWO is running in every yeah. every Monday night, yeah, it's a it sucks. But if you do something like this once every, you know four to six months uh who's gonna really complain all right what was your other like um it was can i say slight like i mean mm-hmm. uh, um uh you know i mean nyla rose needs something you know she's already beaten bro she's you know she you know they keep trying to they keep calling her like the baddest woman but you know we've already seen her lose and there's some there's some aura off her so I mean I do like that Vicky Guerrero is her manager. I think it just adds something. It keeps her keeps her stock up a little bit. Um, I don't know how great Vicky is the manager. She I, mean, I remember her being really great in two thousand eight when um, when you know she was in there married to Edge and all that stuff was uh, really entertaining TV on SmackDown. But um, um, I don't know how she really means in twenty twenty. But I thought she did a really good job here on this the first promo I saw her cut in AEW. I thought it, I thought she did a really good job. So this is on my dislikes, but it's not for that same reason why you'd like it. <clears throat> I, sh- sh- how, how much can she actually bump for other women? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, you can say that about all the managers, right? Like Arn can't really bump too much. Tolly probably can't. Actually, I think Tolly will probably take a nice bump, but uh, they, they'll it, they'll do they'll do the bump where they get punched and they hold on to the top rope. They that's my that favorite head. bump, dude. I know. <laughs> I love that bump. The bip, bink. Off. Yeah, it's great. But I don't even think Vicky could do that. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, she probably can't do that either. Yeah, but. and 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 I don't want her to do that because you know she's she's got to be in her uh, late forties, early fifties. Yeah, okay. yeah, you're probably right. Definitely, yeah. So, so, but but as a mouthpiece, I think she'll be fine. But I do think that she'll get grading very quickly. 
just because everyone saw that shtick, like you said, 10 years ago, but maybe to this audience, it's new. I don't know. Mm-hmm. To me, it's like something that I saw. Oh, I, I saw way too much. It'd be kind of cool if they, they, they modify, they modify it, right? They, they, they evolve it because it's cool to have her come out and do the excuse me now. Right. And all that kind of stuff. And, and kind of, cause you're familiar, right. Familiar with her again. Oh yeah. Yeah. Vicky Guerrero. But if they can kind of evolve her and, and change her up a little bit. And I think that would be, that'd be interesting. If I don't know what that would be, you know, but what is her daughter doing these days? She was a ring announcer for NXT, right? A long time ago or maybe Florida, Florida Cham- championship wrestling or whatever. And then I think she just got out of wrestling. Yeah, because because my thought was like, I wish, I wish Vicky's daughter was in this role, and Vicky could still be connected somehow. But that you know she's more the godmother role, and and actually her daughter is is kind of leading there because you know like you said you know Tully Arn all these managers are so old, mm-hmm. and there's a um, lot of managers. So yeah, that's another issue with it. I'm just saying like because Nyla needed something, so I guess you know this is for her a positive right yes okay um i the second thing that i really liked about this show and i'm assuming that you did not like this match which was the elite versus the jurassic express (laughs) go ahead this was I, i this was the most fun i had watching a match on uh on a last night just fast you got to see jungle boy working with nick jackson which is like nick jackson looking into a mirror like 12 years ago um i thought they were awesome together the, the you know the marco stunt stuff is is the marco stunt stuff like you know people are gonna hate it they're gonna be okay with it i don't know if people actually loved it because it's he you know he's such a polarizing character but the stuff that i liked the most was just Sort of this evolving uh, Kenny Omega character. Uh, it started uh, earlier in the show with the FTR match uh, against the, the Lucha Bros, which I, I thought was okay. It was pretty disappointing, though. Mm-hmm. And you know, you saw you started to see him. He he got a little bit disrespected, and you know, he he got really upset. And then in this match, he he took it out a little bit on uh, on Marco, which is kind of a heelish thing. And and then lying to. Um, luchasaurus after the match thing it was during the match and when it wasn't when he's kind of roughing them up at the end yeah that was so so the evolution of omega being uh, much more of a wild card that is not predictable i like that because you know he he's been marginalized ever since the beginning of, of the show and i think in order for them to possibly go to the next level he's the one guy that people haven't seen uh, that that has an opportunity to catch on with casuals, and so I, I I want to see them do something with him because I think he's the one shot that they have to really break out a little bit. And uh, yeah, but I, I did I did like the match. I I thought the match was really really fun. I wish they would have you know played off the 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 segment with FTR and the pouring the beer on Omega's head because i liked when omega got the beer pour on his head and how pissed he was like mm-hmm. i really i'm like wow oh, thank my god there's more emotion here finally some emotion with him instead of looking like he just woke up from a nap you know so he's like really angry showed it on his face really well and i was like okay this is cool like and i think the match i think i would have done something different i know people would you know are expecting this wild and crazy match and that's what they got they they got a lot of spots and everything 
But what if the match was, you know, it had those crazy spots in the beginning for a while, but then when Omega tagged in and we got in with Marcus Stunt, he destroyed that dude viciously because now he's just so pissed and he's getting his aggression out. And yeah, and he's getting it out on the littlest guy in the match and he destroys him and just, and like, oh shit, like we didn't expect, you know, this is going to be a fun match. What, what are you doing? You know, it's nice. You know, the, the Omega's went a little overboard. But, you know, the match itself, like, like I said, what I expect, I mean, I knew I was going to get, right? Just a million things. But, like, just, like, the, the work is just, I mean, Jungle Boy looked great. I was really happy for him. I mean, he was executing some really difficult spots cleanly. Like, that one springboard into, like, a reverse DDT he did from the outside into the ring, I thought was mm-hmm. just, was, was awesome. But a lot of this stuff, too, it's, like, these moves are so crazy, but they also take time to set up. People look like jackasses because they're just waiting for people to jump, you know, into you. At one point, I think there was like people were off on the wrong side. And then the big spot that everyone's like going crazy about this, this, you know, Canadian destroyer spot was horrible. <laughs> Did you really watch the spot and, and look at it closely? Um, I didn't watch the setup of the spot. Everyone needs to go back and watch it. First of all, it takes forever to set up, right? Because they have to, you know, Matt Jackson has to be on the top rope balancing. He's holding on to Luchasaurus' shoulders. And then Jungle Boy is going to oh, yeah, flip Marco into, you know, f- Matt for the Canadian Destroyer. But if you watch closely, Nick Jackson's holding his brother's foot so he can be balanced to take this move. It's on the hard cam, right in front of everyone to see. And I just said, oh, my goodness, this is horrible. And then when they take the bump into the ring, everyone falls down. Like, why is Nick Jackson falling down? Why did Luchasaurus just fall down? Why does Jungle Boy way back on the stage falling down? Who's running into these people? It was it was ridiculous. It was so stupid, so bad. It was embarrassing. And I don't know. I was just so upset. And then it just got worse. And it's like, you know, just because, you know, the Marco stuff at Omega, I understand get, you, know, you, want, you want to get the kids something, but a freaking two count, near fall two count at the end there, that was just too much. I mean, come on. This is what they do. Jim Ross literally, literally just a few minutes before this explained that Marco weighs 17 pounds and couldn't. You know, couldn't hold anyone down. But then now you're no. You're, that, I think that was Jericho. Well, either way, someone said it. And well, like, but I mean, but Jericho's the you know he he's the outlandish heel character, so he could get away with stuff like that. it was just. Ugh, I was like, I was done. I I don't. I, but you this know, is, I don't want to. This is see, what they do. Like I know they need know? to change it. They need they at least make these matches make some damn sense. For they get they they try that they'll beat these characters. Like, Marco Stunt's not going to get a win. He's not going to beat a top guy. But they make sure that these underdog characters who have their followings, they make sure that they get something rather than nothing. That's just what they've done since the beginning of this show. They gave him that stupid Canadian story a big spot. They don't need to give him a damn near fall on one of their top stars. I'm sorry. Like I just... That was that was bad. I don't... I don't you know, Omega shouldn't be beating... Um, Marco stunt with the one wing angel, right? Like the V trigger is okay enough for that little dude. And that, you know, that's like, like I watched Gato's going to win book of the year for till he's done because, <laughs> because he just looks like just that much more of a genius when 
I see what they do with these people that went from New Japan to AEW. Omega, Lance Archer, like all these guys, like you know, Gato really understood how to book these guys and maximize their 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 drawing power and their ability in the ring and make them feel really special. Where you know, I think AEW just you know misses the misses on a lot of stuff. Well, I mean, to be fair, Gato also doesn't have to do weekly television, and his booking would probably change if if he did. And but I think you know, I would love to see it because I think he'd st- he'd he'd still figure it out. Yeah, he'd do a lot of Memphis stuff. <laughs> He's a big Memphis guy. All right, is that was that it for your likes? I do have one more. Um, yeah, yeah, not much made my list. Like I said, I was not happy with this episode. Okay, so the other thing that I really liked, uh, and there were some things that I sort of liked, like you said, the Moxley promo and the Moxley match was okay, but this was a very blink if blink and you missed it segment, and it was Adam Page watching the match and then FTR joining him at the bar because. I feel like a lot of times in wrestling we miss things that are sort of cool, right? Like when like there when we were growing up there were things that you're like, okay, you know, even though wrestling, you know, people are constantly making fun of wrestling and we have to mm-hmm. defend it or we have to pretend that we don't watch it. There are some cool moments and I thought that was a cool moment. It was a short moment, but you had Paige just watching and he's drinking whiskey or whatever he was drinking Jango. and then is that yeah? And then F- F- FTR comes in and they just look at each other and it's like, okay, we're gonna face each other at some point, and we don't really like your boy, but guess what? We all like drinking and we're gonna watch this match and we're all in- involved. And it was just a little like cool segment where you're like, okay, I-, I I would love to have like a like a drink with those dudes and just you know shoot the stuff. So and plus a tease for the future like yeah. as a group, you know. I know there's a lot of rumor about the four horsemen, a version of the four horsemen or you know a group possibly being assembled with, you know, from Tolly Blanchard or maybe Arn Anderson as well uh with these guys. Uh, a lot of rumors are flying around right now, but um yeah, it was a cool little tease. I I enjoyed it. All right, so when it comes to the dislikes, I know one of on your list was already was the Elite in the Jurassic mm-hmm. Express, but what was some of the other ones? Or what was one of the other ones? Well, the, the finish of the main event I thought was a bad finish. I know a lot of, Throwing people, the towel. A lot of people liked it. I, I think, that, oh, he, they protected Brian Cage. No, <laughs> he didn't protect Brian Cage. You you made him you made him belly down on an arm bar, no place to go. He's you know, beat and you had this manager throwing the towel for him. Like, what's that protecting? This is where I'm sorry. They don't, I know they don't want to do him. I know, like we this way talked about earlier with the um, with the baseball bat. You know, finish. This is where a disqualification works. This is where you know Boxley has you know John uh, Brian Cage in that arm bar. This is where instead of throwing in the towel, this is where Taz rolls in the ring and clocks. You know, John Moxley with the FTW belt. This is where he bleeds. This is where Moxley's bleeding. Now they're pummeling the crap out of Moxley. This is where Darby Allen makes the save, you know. But like throwing in the towel was I thought was a poor choice. And I know they they're just they don't want to do these disqualification. Mm-hmm. They, you know, but like I said, like this would be their first one. Right. This would be the first one. So like people shouldn't be upset. Now, now, like I said, if they did this weekly in their many events, sure, I'd, I'd be upset, too. But they did it here and then did it like maybe six months later. It's, that's fine. I mean, disqualification finishes, yes, are 
a screw job, quote unquote, but I mean, it can build to more, right, too, as well, if you use it wisely. What I thought when I was watching this show is, now I understand why Dusty created some of the finishes that he did. Because <laughs> you're just like, you almost you almost book yourself into a corner when you mm-hmm. book this kind of match, and Brian Cage is so new... But you you want to use this ranking system, and you want to use and you want matches that are not the main event to matter. So you say, oh, whenever this match gets a title match in the future, and yeah, it's hard. Like uh, like I, I I enjoy the fact that we mostly see clean finishes because the other way around is is terrible. But like you said, I would absolutely have not minded a DQ, a DQ here to further the story. And then maybe uh, you know do another match uh, again. So so you yeah, know. yeah, it definitely because it leaves you open. They do disqualification finish now. Now Cage goes with Darby right for a little while, and they have a little bit of feud. So now then you can come back to this match later on, and, and it's still and there's still an issue there. There's still unsolved, unsolved, and unsolved issue between these two guys. So yeah, I mean, I don't hate disqualification finishes. Like I said, just don't use them weekly because it become Nitro 97 and you know that 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 sucked so m- my dislike was um and this is kind of unfair because this segment is not meant to really mean a ton but the Brandy and Ally match I didn't like I'm not watching this match going like oh this is going to be good or this is going to be bad you kind of know what you get with this kind of match the thing that I'm bothered with is I kind of remember that they didn't like each other in the beginning when QT was with Dustin. Uh-huh. And then I never saw them again, really, like, together. And so I was like, okay, like, you know, what's going on here? But then we're just supposed to just be like, oh, yeah, like, you know, if you watch Dark, you know what's going on here. And I was like, but I don't watch Dark, so yeah. what did I miss? Yeah, and no highlights. You don't know, and no you don't highlights know. No highlights. The, 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 they, they have Dark. They film it. They have segments. Like, give me a little highlight package of why these two girls are together, why they don't like each other. If they don't like each other, why are they teaming? And why is we have we already have, well, I guess they like each other now, Paige and Omega, but, like, we just had that with the tag team, right? Um, give us a little video package to kind of speed us up because not everyone watches dark. You know, I think a yeah. majority of people that watch AW television, the Dynamite show, probably don't watch dark. So, all right, what was another one? Um, the, the the story of the Sunny Kiss and Cody match. I think it was another match went way too long. Um, the problem with the match or Cody's like, I guess teasing of a heel turn right mm-hmm. i feel like they went to act two before they set up act one with the whole tease of cody like i know he was aggressive champion when he wrestled like you know jungle boy and mark quinn but nothing too much this one was a little bit a little bit crossing the line i want to see and like how many times have arn and cody argued about you know getting your head in the game don't take people lightly like they need more segments, more interview, more promo time to kind of set that up, you know? Like, like I think I mentioned in our Facebook group, I think I wrote it on, the, on one of the messages, like, you know, last week during um, um, Fighter Fest, the second night, you know, I think that would be a perfect opportunity. Instead of having these long matches on the show, they could have cut five minutes out of one match and did a promo with Arn and, Tol- and, and Cody, and where Cody's, you know, talking about, hey... 
you know, what, what's going to happen? They're asking what's going to happen to the championship. Are you going to defend it on next week's show? And he's like, yeah, you know, this title is open challenge. Anyone can, anyone can challenge me, anyone. And that's when Sonny Kiss walks up, who I would not have in that match with Lance Archer and Joey Janela because he got his ass kicked in that. Like, he would not be in that because I would want him for this if I'm going to do this match. And Sonny Kiss would come over and, and say, I'll take that match. And Cody kind of like, you know, a sly smile and kind of chuckles and, you know, he, and, but Arn's like, you know, because Arn's the coach and he knows everyone on the roster and the strengths and weaknesses, but understands that, you know, you can't take Sonny Kiss lightly. He's kind of like that Adrian Street character, you know, a lot of people did, but he's a great wrestler, et cetera, et cetera, right? And then, you know, Cody's like, sure, sure, yeah, okay, okay. Like, he's like, yeah, it's going to be an easy one. And then, you know, Sonny Kiss just smacks him and Arn just tells him, like, you need to get your head in the game. This guy is going to catch you, you know, and then, you know, in this match, Cody comes out still overconfident, you know, Arn's still trying to remind him, hey, you know, be ready, be ready, and then Cody's still kind of like, you know, he's taking not, he's not that serious about it, he's kind of taking it easy, and all of a sudden, boom, Sonny Kiss, boom, boom, hits a bunch of moves, blah, 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 and then hits that, goes for that big 450, Arn's screaming, boom, 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 and finally, Cody moves, he misses the 450 instead of making a damn near fall, everything's going to have to be a damn near fall in this damn promotion, and then Cody hits the crossroads. Instead of Arn congratulating him, saying he just gives him the riot act for not taking people seriously and all that kind of stuff. Like I said, I think they went to act two before they went to act one. Like, I want to see more of that tease of this. I just think it's they're kind of going a little too fast with it. So my frustration with this is more the style of the match because the story of Cody being the TV champion is that he is a, a, peop, a, a fighting champion. So all comers, anybody can have a match with me. And the way that the story is told in every single match, at least so far, is the underdog gets something and Cody uh, has to be a little bit more aggressive than he would normally to keep his title because he's a champ and he wants to keep it. But when the underdog gets all the, the stuff, and like you mentioned, the near falls with no crowd... Mm-hmm it's it's hard for that stuff to be as meaningful as you want it to be and so you know when you get a great near fall i'm watching it going like oh i mean he's not going to win anyway so who cares when if you saw the crowd going nuts mm-hmm. then it actually does mean a little bit more because because then you, you start to play with you a little bit go oh maybe he might lose oh no, no no but without that crowd that part where where i'm like thinking Oh, maybe he might lose. It's not there at all. Like I'm just like, no way. They're not. He's not. He's not winning this match. You are. What are you yeah. crazy? So yeah, and it was but, the match was wasn't. I mean, it wasn't that great. You know, Sunny Kiss was you know bumping early on stuff before you know Cody connect with like you know boots and stuff um, early on, and it was just a little too long. I don't think Cody has to take everyone. You know, 15 minutes where the hell it was. Like he can things can be a little shortened up and. That's all. I mean, they could probably fit more people on the show if they would just kind of shorten things up. Certain mm-hmm. matches don't need to be, you know, you know, 15 plus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, what else? Um, you know, I just thought it was funny that the Lucha Brothers were really exposed in the match with the FTR. You know, that was, I mean, it wasn't bad. It wasn't all, like the, it wasn't like the greatest match either. It was like, okay. Um, there was a moment. And I think the wrestling gods said, John, don't fast forward picture in picture. Did you watch picture in picture? <laughs> no. I mean, it? I, I watch forward. it, but it's, I watch it, but you know, I'm not paying super close attention to it. 
I'm sitting there, and usually I fast forward all the time. I used to, before I used to watch it, when first, we first started, I watched everything, but I'm like, oh, I can't handle it. I got to fast forward. So, yeah, I do the same thing for NXT too as well. And for some reason, you know, the, you know Luthez was talking to me and, you know, uh, you know, Buddy Rogers and all them were like, don't watch this crap. So, in the match, you know the old spot with the with the tag match where the, the comes in the ring, draws the referee, and then the heels beat up the then the partner while the referee's trying to get the bay face partner who's not legal outside, mm-hmm. right? So, Dash, he's outside. He's not legal. He comes in to draw the referee, Paul Paul Turner, who was like a ping pong ball this whole match. He looked like he was, he looked like a crackhead, didn't know what to do. Like he couldn't control his body. He was just shivering all over the place. And he just goes to get Dash because he's getting drawn by Dash. Ray Phoenix and Pentagon look at Dash too. They don't double team Cash. They don't double team at all. And Paul Turner turns around and is like, oh, what are you doing? Like, get out of here. But like, it was like, dude, you, you didn't do it right. And then later on, Penta gets tagged in, right? So now Penta's legal. He's with Cash. He goes to Dash. And now he's trying to do like the taunting so Dash should come in to draw the referee. Dash doesn't do it at all. He's probably like, fuck you. You fucking blew it last time. I'm not going to do it this time. Oh, man, it was awesome. It was it was awesome. That was so funny. You know, because Lucha Bros are, you know, they're, they're like, Penta, great charisma, great look. Everyone I know that's worked him, if I say the same thing, great guy, great look, great charisma, but it's not, he's overrated. Ray Phoenix is a tremendous, tremendous, uh, tremendous flyer. But like it's the it's the small you know it's lucha it's the small details that they just don't excel in, and you know this is where things kind of caught them a little bit. But um, you know I thought it got better as it went on, and but like in the open, did you see that opening wheelbarrow spot with the lucha? Yeah. Like they messed it up. What were they doing? They did they almost like they didn't know what they were doing. It's like their own move, and I've seen them do this move before, like hundreds of times. It was it was just like a brain fart or something. I but, I was a little I I think. When they did when they did that tag match the the eight man, I was like, you know what? I'd rather just see FTR mm-hmm. against Lucha Brothers. And then I thought about it, and I was like, well, that also has a chance to be bad because of just the mix of the styles. And it absolutely was worse than the eight man. Like it it, it didn't touch the eight man. So I, I think there's a version of this match that is that is much better. But yeah, I think they would have to work together a little bit more so that FTR can kind of anticipate some of the wonkiness that's going to happen. Yeah, the good news is it can only get better from here, right? So and and um, um, I thought, <laughs> and you know, knowing the personality of Dash and how seriously and cast you, how seriously they really take this. I mean, it's it's not bullshit. Like they really take tag team wrestling seriously they really they really care they really it's important to them to, to go by the rules the match has to go by the rules it's important to them to not to have the referee look like a fool it's important to them that everything comes off you know legit logical right so i'm guessing i'm guessing dash may have been a little bit hot after this match but uh but uh you know like but you know i think future matches will get better between them yeah, and it's a different it's a different company for them too. Like there are certain expectations that I'm sure they have with WWE even if they're unhappy with their position, you know, there's a certain style that mm-hmm. that everyone is going to generally wrestle. And here, 
that that is not the case. So you know, there things are going to be a little bit different, and I, I fully expect, you know, I fully expect them, like you said, to to have a better match next time. But you know, if if uh, being a little disappointed in 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 the Lucha Bros makes them work a little bit harder, then I'm fine with that. I have like a a like slash dislike. Okay, Jim Ross's commentary this 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 week was. Like, he didn't. He didn't have his buddy this week. Hilarious at times, and like really bad a lot of the times. Like I don't think he really enjoyed that Sunny Kiss Cody match, and I don't think he really was into Sunny challenging for the title because I was laughing so hard when um, Sunny Kiss came out for his entrance, right? And he has a cheerleader, and he's doing that that routine, dance routine with them, right? And the dance routine's going on, and at the end, you know, they do a big pose. And then, I mean, this before, as there's, this was just about to go on, about to, he's about to do the dance routine. And Jim Ross goes, and there's your challenger, folks. Like, with the tone of, like, oh, God, this was ridiculous, you know. Well, and then he, he kind of joked did... around the whole match. Like, he wasn't really taking it serious. Taz, thank God, was actually trying to get it over. Well, Ross, as... um. As Sunny Kiss was doing the entrance with the cheerleaders and doing the dance routine, the cheer, the cheer routine, Ross put that over, but he put it over in a way that where he's like, he's saying like, okay, internet fans, like I'm putting this over, yeah, like, yeah, and not yeah. really putting it over. And I think when he does that, he really he cannot fake it at all. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's just not his style. So when he does stuff like. You know, I'm sure there's tons of guys that he doesn't like. You know, he'll, he'll you know, I, I'm almost sure that he doesn't like Janela's style that much. So he'll, he'll, he'll like oversell it as a way to say, internet fans, I'm saying something positive <laughs> about this guy. Yeah, I hope you give me yeah, credit yeah, for this exactly. as you're sending me the thousands and thousands of hate tweets. So I think that's more of what it is. Like, it's just not conventional for him. And, you know, that that's part of, you know, part of being, uh, I don't know, Jim's in his early 60s, I guess. And yeah. he's, it's, it's, it's a different world uh, partially for him. So, yeah, I could, I could. but that's why X is there, right? X is the one who's supposed to be able to, to do that. But he's, just, he's more, he's much more of like a call the moves mm-hmm. kind of announcer. Mm-hmm. So. I thought, you know, I, I don't think they needed Taz out there, honestly, in the first hour. I think it would, you know, it just makes things Taz a little bit more special if he just just comes out for that main event with Brian Cage. But at the same time, you know, Taz is very good, right, yeah. as, a, as a color guy. And um, he was definitely keeping things together. And Jim Ross was just like, he, like I said, he was just having fun making his little jokes. And then a lot of times they're, I mean, they're funny because I, I just know he's being salty, but like, you know, they're really not that funny as jokes anyways. Hey, you know. And you know, Tony Schiavone's not there and he's just happy to be there half the time anyways. All right. What about NXT? Um, overall, I thought it was really good. I mean, good wrestling matches. I mean, what'd you think? I liked the show because some of my favorite guys uh, were on the show, like Damian Priest and mm-hmm. Cameron Grimes, obviously Keith Lee. Uh, but we'll, as we get to the dislikes, I, 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 I'm not too sure about that main event. Um, but so I'll, I'll actually go with, I, you know, my first like is just Priest and Grimes. They didn't do, they didn't, at least on my version, they didn't have a super long match, but it was, it was fun to watch. You know, when, when 
two guys who I enjoy, who both are on the ascent. That's always a fun sort of uh, fun angle, fun match. And uh, I, I, you know, Damian Priest won, and he's you know already calling out yeah, awesome. Keith Lee for the for the double belts or whatever. So I, I just like seeing that kind of style where you have like the the guys who are kind of hungry and and wanting to impress. And I thought they, I thought I just love both of those guys. So I was, I mean, I was gonna like that match as long as it wasn't terrible. I just like both of those guys. Yeah, no, it was good matches. All my likes, almost like as all my like as well. Um, I didn't like the. Freaking razor's edge to the side apron, God, the apron bump. Yeah. That was, that was unnecessary. I mean, I, I like the beginning where you know Cameron Grimes has sold that he can end a match so quickly, and he mm-hmm. he tries to set it up again, and Damian Priest, you know, defends it. I thought that was. Cool. I love the finish because you know plays into both ends moves, right? You know, you know Grimes has that awesome that awesome double stomp, jumping double stomp, and he does it, but then it gets caught up in the ropes, and then Damian Priest, you know, hits his finisher that roll the dice. Kind of, I don't know what he calls it, but it's like the old roll of dice cutter kind of finisher. Um, while while Grimes is in the ropes, I thought that was really cool. So yeah, and then I, I the the what I really liked about it is that 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 promo he did, just a quick little stare at the camera. Hey man, I'm coming after that title. Like that's yep. that's good stuff. He is a believable badass to me, and I think it's something has some of it is to do with his look. Some of it has to do with. You know his his ethnic his ethnicity his voice like his voice I just see him as a really believable badass because he looks like a man compared to a lot of the guys that we well well and, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna use a, a comparison which is I am sure that Karrion Cross is also probably a badass but he looks like every other cookie cutter badass that we've yeah, ever seen I disagree and Damien Priest looks a little bit different I disagree Damien Priest does look different but I don't think Carrion I mean like primate but bald guy with muscles and tattoos I guess yeah, but yeah. the way I mean, he and white uh, you know Caucasian and that that's kind of uh, the thing you know the, the fact that Damien Priest is actually ethnic and has an ethnic look I think works in his favor mm-hmm. yeah but I think what separates Carrion too from that's just a standard bald head with t- tattoos and muscles um, is the fact that he has, has an intensity about him, right? And the believability about him. So, but that I thought he went like unbelievably overboard with that Same later way. in the show. Yeah. I, I, it just was like a little over the top for me. Don't only not. Yeah, go ahead. No, that, that, that was it. Just not subtle. It was just over the top. The only, though. <laughs> He just jumps out of nowhere, I guess. But um, the only thing I'd, I would like to have seen, I would like to have seen a pull apart. I like mm-hmm. to see the referees and and uh, the officials like separate him. Be like, yeah, next week, man. I want you next week. You know that kind of he, stuff. He he also couldn't get his tie off, so he just said, forget yeah, it. Yeah, well, that's okay because <laughs> I think I'm guessing that uh, he when when he I don't know I, I could probably get this find out, but when he does the uh, suplex over. The guardrail hits the floor. I'm guessing Dijak probably didn't hit the floor. It's probably a crash pad, and they had to move it. Mm. So mm. maybe that was a little time because mm. he goes right to the camera and blocks the hole. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, um, but yeah, no, I like this match uh, definitely with you on Damian Priest and, and Cameron Grimes. Both guys I really like, and uh, and I was kind of like, I you know, back to clean finishes too. Like I know, like in NXT as well, does a lot of clean finishes and. I thought, man, they already ended this program. I was really enjoying it, you know. And yeah. Especially yeah. Grimes is, I think Grimes has some real momentum, but he has that that heel arrogance and 
cockiness about him where he can start t- and being so loud like a totally blanchard in a way like i think they feel they can beat him too because i think he's so good at just being annoying you want to see he get his ass kicked by someone else and and that's a that's a good thing i don't know how good it is for him though like because he, he's very valuable in that role but if he would loses too much because mm-hmm. they think that they can get away with it that might not be the best thing for him. i'm curious to see how long they're gonna have this double champion thing and that's what they're gonna just plan on doing with with now from now on but um but if they decide maybe one day to you know you know lee keith lee relinquishes the uh, north Korean title i think they do this kind of tournament as some kind of special match, a battle bowl <laughs> or something. Um, <laughs> uh, I would love to see Cameron Grimes win that title. I think he'd be great as the heel, heel North American champion. All right. What was, uh, what was on your likes list? Um, I liked Keith Lee and Donovan Dijakovic. I thought that was uh, a good match, a different match. Um, I, the, the beginning part I wasn't a fan of like, I'm trying to explain it to fact best is a little bit theatrical. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the point where he's like steps on Dijak's arm and Dijak can't move it. And the way Dijak kind of, it was kind of, it was a little too much. And they kind of did like the little, the little too much of that tit for tat kind of thing. But I, mm-hmm. I understand what they're trying to tell. But um, I liked what they're doing with Keith Lee's matches. I like that it's not a match. It's going to be a bunch of near falls and everyone's kicking out of everything. Like, I mean, sure, they had, he, you know, Dijakova got some near falls, but it wasn't like, you know, the typical, you get one, I get one, I hit a move, you get, you know, it was like once he hits the spirit bomb or another one of his moves and then he hits his jackhammer thing, it is over. Mm-hmm. It's very, very Hogan big boot leg drop and, you know, way about it. And I like that. Like, I don't think every match needs to be that over the overly done, you know, false finishes back and forth, big move, big move. Like I think once you're the Bayface champion like him hits his setup move, then then the, then the finisher and it's over. I really, I liked it. I, I agree with you, but I also think that this is kind of, you know, we, we've been talking about Keith Lee just about ever since we, we, we started doing this show. And I think when he tries to do something other than this style of match, it is not necessarily to his benefit. And I think they're trying to do all of the things that, that make him really good. And I think that's a, that's smart. But when we get to like these, you know, NXT takeover 30 minute main events where they do a lot of that near fall stuff that you're talking about, I do wonder if, 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 he doesn't look as great in that kind of match. Well, he looked great versus Adam Cole. That's what happened in that match too. Like, you know, Adam Cole, you know, he didn't get, it wasn't a bunch of near falls. He had a bunch of moves, right? He's, he's trying to take him out, but finally, boom, spirit bomb, boom, jackhammer. And it was it. Like it wasn't this whole dragged out thing. So I'm like, it's two matches in a row. I liked it. The only thing I did not like about this match, I wish they would have advertised it. So that that was my that was actually on my dislikes mm-hmm. list, which is you have this guy who you've anointed the double champion. He comes out and does a pr- pretty good promo at the beginning of the show, but you make the match, mm-hmm. and then it's not even the main event, so you don't even have two hours to promote it. Mm-hmm. And so I just felt like, wow, Dick, you know, you 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 wasted an opportunity to really 
promote something that that people will want to see. The other thing that I I would say is a small dislike is you know we've seen these guys wrestle a lot, and and, and it's fine because because they're they're good right. It's like a it's like an NXT a good NXT rivalry, um, but there was really no support like like sometimes when they do these kind of things it's like oh like you know let let let's have a you know a heel come out and and kind of someone who we may we may not have seen before but i mean he was he was the right person for this but we've seen it a couple times but yeah i'm with you i wish a i wish it was in the main event slot and b i wish they would have gave it a a few days or even a week to promote because i think that would have helped them in in Mm -hmm. pushing this match because before this show started there wasn't anything on yeah, it, it was except for the EO, women's match. EO and Tegan and Damian Priest and and Cameron Grimes were just advertised. So yeah, I like I said, I I I think his first his first double championship title defense is something I think you need to promote and and yeah. put it out there yep. ahead of time. Agree. All right, what else um, for likes? I I enjoyed the main event. I thought those girls did a really good job. I especially because I can just tell. Right off the bat, that Tegan's very was very nervous about it. Um, you know, I could tell she was a little tight. Um, uh, there was a po- point in the match that was pretty obvious. <laughs> they started talking to each other, and Eos forgot she has an arm bar, an ar- you know, arm bar on her, and she's like, all of a sudden they're like they're calling spots, and she lets go, and it's almost like they had a they had a, just had a brain fart right there on camera, and she <laughs> finally you know tightened it up. I'm sure Tom, who was the referee for that match, was like, hey. You know, grab that arm because you know Tom's. Yeah, a, yeah, yeah. I can't even tell you. Like, he, I mean, he, he just, a lot of people just don't understand. But like the referee in that ring, I mean, it's just if you have a great referee like Tom who can he, he can call the match as it goes. So if mm-hmm. people are lost, he's there for them, right? He's such a great talent, and um, and so I thought they did a great job. They had a long match, um, three segment match, which you know was pretty pretty ballsy. Um, you know, I. I like that. I think what was the problem with this match too, just into it. I think Tegan's performance in that four way, if it was a little better, I think this, this match would have been a little more anticipated, but I think, you know, I think, I think here, you know, like going in, I don't think it was as, as anticipated because, you know, her performance in that match, but I thought she did a good job. I thought she did a good promo, the, the, the build up that match in the beginning. Like I thought that was a nice setup and, you know, they did great. Neo was fantastic. And, that moonsault looked great, you know, at the end, and I thought they had a nice finish. So on my likes list was actually the aftermath of, of what oh, happened yeah, because yeah, that, that's too as well. When Dakota Kai came out, I was like, okay, this is what I want to watch. You know, I, I'm not, I wasn't necessarily interested in Tegan and, and and EO, but I was like, oh, Dakota and EO, I'm in. Yeah. My my issue with the match is like, I don't know, for like the first five minutes, I'm watching this. And like Tegan is overthinking something, or she, but she's like a step behind EO. Like EO's got to slow down so Tegan can catch up. And then, you know, the other thing is, I mean, I think Tegan is a pretty decent athlete, but, you know, when she was doing those um, corner uh, forearms, mm-hmm. like, I'm like, okay. Maybe she's doing the slow run, so she sets up the the big sprint into the corner. But it smells like she's like counting her steps or like pacing mm-hmm. herself in her run. It was like a jog into the corner, um, and, and so it's just stuff like that stands out to me because Eo and Kyrie Sane and Shayna are like legitimate athletes, right? They 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 run and they do stuff like an athlete would. And so when Tegan does stuff like that, and, and look, maybe some of it is still, 
maybe it's an injury still because she's still got you know the the knee problem or something and so if if that is the case then you know i will give her the benefit of the doubt but in the main event of this show after you're telling me that my boy keith lee is not in the main event Mm -hmm. i just expected her to be better and I didn't think that she was really good. I thought she got better as the match went on, but I was a little disappointed in, in the beginning of that match. I just thought she was, I don't know, like like I said, it could be, you know, overthinking or maybe she's like making sure she didn't screw something up and you're kind of doing a, a little bit of d- defensiveness mm-hmm. in, in the beginning. But I, yeah, I just thought that, you know, she was just a step behind. I, I think she, you know, like I said, I think it's nerves. This is the biggest match of her, of sure. her career. So, sure. I mean, in the, a main event, spot on national television going three segments too i mean that's you know it's not like these these girls are in the ring training at the pc and and getting their you know their wind and stuff right it's not like they're they're practicing as much so i'm sure she was a little bit nervous and overwhelmed but you know lucky she's in there with an eo right who's uh he's a he's a really good veteran and great you know so and and then you also i mean like i you know i know he's my best friend and stuff and but like same time i mean i can separate talent from friendship and then and i even tell him when i when he does something bad right I mean, like, mm-hmm. you know and but like you know like i said like if there's anyone to be in there with someone that's nervous and you know hesitant about stuff like tom's the person to be in there with that is to do all the time with him like if i had a match that i was nervous about like oh, he's, they might need a little help in there i put tom in there right mm-hmm. i knew colleen schneider was making her anime wrestling debut against Shayna baszler oh yeah and even though i knew like they were gonna do a shoot style match and they would be comfortable in that obviously right but but you know i gave tom that match because i know he would be there to kind of keep it together and sure enough you know colleen could not stop thinking tom enough after that night so um, yeah, so I thought it was really good. I thought those girls did a really well job, and I love the angle at the end. Yeah, that was great. I mean, uh, I was, I was, I was so fired she up. Booted, <laughs> she, she booted the crap out of her and busted up. Right? Yeah. It was, uh, it was a very, phys- <laughs> very intense moment. So yeah, now I'm really looking forward to th- that matchup, and that's a match I was actually looking forward to see for a while. Yeah. Um, okay. Dislikes. I, I mean, I already said my two, so that that was it for me. Yeah. What did you miss? I mean, I'm sure you missed um, my dislike for sure. Okay, so I got three matches. Mm-hmm. The main, um, the main ones, right? Obviously. I got the two, the two main events, and then the Cameron Grimes and Damian Priest. So, to, I mean, the show was pretty damn tight for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I the match that you didn't see was Shotzi Blackheart and Indy Hartwell was really bad. I mean, I, I was wondering about Hartwell because I remember she was like Tessa's like really good friend back in the day. Like I would see them you know, always on Instagram together. And so I kind of, uh, every time I hear her name, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember her because she was like, I, I may, she may have even been like Tessa's like, you know, little sister or something like like in some of those shows because they were always together. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was very clear that she was in the beginning stages of her career. She has a lot of potential, but very green. And, and I mean, she's always been wrestling for, I think only a couple of years, they said, maybe 2016, I think she debuted or... The later that's Mark Marinal was talking about, but um, just like, like they're working to holds and they're just like, they're like, like almost like practice going, you know, slowly going into yeah. them, waiting yeah. for each other. Um, um, the finish was fine, and you know, Robert Stone comes out with his boot because he got ran over last week with by Shotzi Blackheart with her tank, and I know you didn't like that, and uh, <laughs> and um, and uh, you know, then 
a referee is drawn, right? <laughs> you know, they, the referee is drawn to Robert Stone, and from behind, you know, Aaliyah shows up and pushes Shotzi out the top rope, and she goes and crashes and burns. But then, like, Indy Hartwell gets the pin and pins Shotzi, and she's shocked she won. Like, a heel should not be shocked she won after some interference. She should be shocked. She should be like, oh, hell yeah, I did that, right? Hell yeah, I snuck mm-hmm. one out. Hell yeah, we got. I pulled this out, and no one saw me take this money and mm-hmm. run. Like, I, what it, like, I, I mean, I don't think they're getting directed. I think it's just like they tried. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I had to find that one out. But, like, it's just that was like, ugh, really, really bad, you know. So, I, I you know. Both girls need leaders in there, and I think, you know, but I understand for the story they're telling. I don't know if Indy's going to be going with Robert Stone or just it was just, you know, uh, just a revenge thing on Shotzi. I'm sure that, I'm obviously that program is continuing. And um, do you have any more dislikes or? No, I only um, had the two. My only dis- other dislike, it wasn't a major one. It's just a, something that my booking mind, I just wish they would have did a little different. Um, the, the, the Keith Lee promo, I mm-hmm. thought he did a great job with it. Um, his stuff was really good. Um, I liked when he talked about the fans in the in the camera, like talk to the fans. I thought that mm-hmm. was he's really good. And mm-hmm. I know some people are like, oh, he should be like this, yelling and just mean. I kind of like like the intelligent David Banner into the Credible Hulk, right? Kind of way. He, like it's almost like Gray Hulk. Like I don't know, he's Gray Hulk was so intelligent, and he was like David Banner and Hulk at the same time. It's just, it's just. I like Keith Lee. I like everything he can do. I like everything about him. I, I like the way he talks. I love it. I think it's great. So, but when the Dijak Dijakovic stuff came, he asked Dijakovic to come down, and I'm cool with this, and I like where it's going. I could tell mutual res- frenemies, right? Mutual respect. You. Ep- up my game you help elevate me to where i am now and i want to do you a solid and i went to real regal and i gave you the championship you know a shot i want you to get a shot tonight right you know i want you to say yes and like dr kovitz like goes like he doesn't say anything he goes like it was like it just kind of ended right like give Dijakovic the mic let him cut a fire to promo you know like mm-hmm. you know i wasn't expecting this but damn, man, damn, I had nothing but respect for you. I'm so happy with what you did, you know, and what you accomplished. But man, my goal is to win that championship. My goal now, now I can take a chance. To, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I would prefer to be a little more ready, but I'm not letting this slip by. And I love you. I respect you. But man, your reign's going to only be one week long, brother. You know, and just like, mm-hmm. yeah, give me, yeah, once these guys go at it, it just kind of ended like, yay, we're going to have a match later. <laughs> I wasn't, wasn't happy about that. Um, all right, so that is our likes and dislikes for both these shows. Uh, before we get to the uh, segment with Robert Silva to, to end the show, I wanted to quickly go over some of these Extreme Rules matches. The horror show at Extreme Rules on the Wikipedia page, uh, which I usually use because they usually are very updated. There's only six matches, and I know that there's a Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus bar match or something that that has been talked about but is not on this list yet it might be on smackdown actually now i'm thinking about it they may hold that off for smackdown um so i'm gonna gonna read you off the six matches that are on this uh this page and then you know kind of get a little bit of an of an excitement or not excited uh reaction here so 
Drew McIntyre versus Dolph Ziggler. I think everyone listening to this knows my dislike for Dolph Ziggler. Not the person, just the character and how he's booked. I'm just sick of him. I'm sick of uh, of him being, you know, he's got he's like 40 years old and he's still got so much potential. Um, but I think this will be a good match. I hope it's I, I hope Drew wins impressively. I'm just not sold on Dolph as a contender for any title, you know, maybe the 24 seven title, but really any title. Yeah. At this point in his career, it's like it doesn't really mean much. I know the match will be fine. It'll be it'll, it'll be good. But this whole pay-per-view, I could just tell you it's on a real low, um, you know, of one to ten, it's probably about a two or three. In you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to watch it on Sunday night, probably later. But I'm not. I mean, I'm just gonna watch it to, just to watch it. But uh, not excited at all. The match that I'm looking the most forward to is Asuka and Sasha Banks. Asuka's mm-hmm. great, and I think Sasha still has the appeal to really go to the next level and you know with charlotte and becky being out i think there's an opportunity for her to to really just showcase all of her skills so i'm really looking forward to this match i what i hope is that because sasha knows that this opportunity is there that she doesn't like go overboard and like hurt herself because she she's done that in the past and in matches where she's really trying to to show out and and she's she's so good as it is I, I do I do hope that that they have a really good match but yeah I'm look, I'm really looking forward to this one yeah yeah it'll be good it'll be good uh, yeah um it's probably gonna be the best well on paper it looks like it's gonna be the best match of the uh, rest rest wrestling match of the night and on the flip side I'm not as much looking forward to Bailey and Nikki Cross though not to say that they can't have a good match I. I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm in the middle on Nikki Cross, and I have been since the beginning. I know there's a lot of people who really like her and really think she's she she's good. Uh, I'm kind of in the middle. I love what Bailey's doing right now. Um, I think Sasha and Bailey apart. I think it's fine for Sasha. It probably hurts Bailey a little bit because together they're so great. But you know, I'm also I'm I'm just looking forward to to what Bailey does because I find her very entertaining right now. Yeah, I I think the match will be good. Um, I just think Nikki, you know, has been really been. I don't think people really expect a towel change here. So it's just yeah. And in a match that I'm absolutely not not looking forward to whatsoever. It is the Wyatt Swamp fight <laughs> between Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt. And I'm just like... What are we talking about? <laughs> what, what is going yeah, on what's here? What's going on? Yeah. Um, I haven't really watched SmackDown, so I don't I don't know what it is. You know, obviously, they, they, they've been using these pay-per-views now to do these cinematic matches. And uh, other than the Boneyard, which we've talked about in the past, being really great everything else has kind of been a big bust so maybe this will be great i just don't have hype over it though so i mean it you know it is the storyline of bray wyatt trying to uh you know he's the cult leader of the wyatt family and stroman is his creation and so he needs to destroy him it's a non-title match it's in a it's in a swamp i just hope that they have an idea and that they just get there I don't want to see 25 minutes of oh, them fighting in the water. <laughs> you will. I want to see Luke Harper show up. Yeah. Just a cameo. <laughs> Join the Dark Order. Um, you know, if it's 10 minutes, I think I can stomach it. At 25 minutes, I'm going to be really 
frustrated. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and in a match that I would have really loved as a singles, but it feels like this is going to be another one of those of those cinema matches coined by our, our buddy Chris DiPietro. Ray Mysterio and Seth Rollins, eye for an eye. I'm actually a little, you know, I said earlier two to three, but I think as a match itself, I might be in the middle because I want to see what the damn finish is going to be. Not, that's what there's. That's the whole selling point of yeah, the paper. No game. one. I mean, I don't think anyone's eyes gonna be popped out, but who knows? You know. But I mean, but what if they do a cinema match? Then you could theoretically pull somebody's eyeball out. Yeah, maybe we could like some special effects. In yeah, there. like Friday Thirteenth Part Three, when Jason Voorhees takes that dude and squeezes his head into the eyeball because it's three D back then. Right? Everything was three D. Big big selling point in the eighties. The eyeball just goes right to the screen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah probably not gonna happen, but. Big Big Van Vader lost his eyeball in a match. Um, yeah, what about? Um, I'm sure Dominic's gonna get involved, right? Maybe Dominic loses an eye. Oh my god, it's crazy. Remember when Ray won Dominic in a ladder match or something? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do remember that. So Thanksgiving's um, interesting at their house. I'm sure. 2005 WWE. Yeah, right there. yeah. And uh, you know. I think this is funny because I, I went to a lot of APW shows and a guy by the name of MVP was on a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And I watched MVP and I thought, you know, he understands that this is an independent crowd and he's he's going to work his, uh, you know, his his strong style. But, you know, he's not he's not going to be working his butt off. He under he understands and and from that point, I was like, okay, like I know what MVP is. I know I know what's going on. You know, he, he's in, in the twilight of his career, and so when he came to WWE, I think we both were like, oh yeah, he's he's great promo, but I don't think we ever thought he was really going to be a big deal from the the wrestling talent standpoint. And in this match, he faces Apollo Cruz for the U.S. Championship, and I will say, there is no way that MVP should win this match, no. but. He is so dang charming on the microphone that I could. I I, I think that they'll that they'll keep him. You know, with, with Lashley, of course. Yeah. But the, the, they they don't. They're not gonna. He's not gonna get squashed in two minutes either. Um, I don't think it's gonna be the longest match in the show either. So I, I think it'll be relatively short. Um, um, I, no, I like MVP in his role that they have him now. Like, you know, wrestling here and there, but mostly the mouthpiece for Lashley. And I would like to see his group kind of grow. I, li- I like to see that. I mean, remember he had um, Shane Haste and Brendan Vick. I don't know what happened with that. Yeah. But I kind of like the idea. Like, I know they've been feuding with Cedric Alexander and Ricochet, but maybe it'd be kind of cool if he actually started getting in their heads. And all of a sudden, like, yeah, hey, we're tired of getting our ass kicked by Lashley. Let's uh, maybe we should go with these guys. You know, it'd be a step up from what they're doing. It'd be a step up from what they're doing. Uh, I kind of like that trio of of uh, Ricochet and, and Cedric with the uh, Lashley. So, and MVP the mouthpiece. I you know he, I think he'd be good for all three of those guys. So yeah, yeah, definitely yeah, like yeah. to see that. Okay, so um, that is it for us. But we, will, uh, I'm going to send it to the uh, segment with uh, Robert. Let's get Robert on the line and let's talk some boxing. Bringing on Robert Silva, who has been doing a lot of writing for us. He is writing the greatest fights of all time. We are down to the top 14. And by the time some of you listen to this, 13 should be up. But Robert, what's going on, man? 
Hey, by the way, congratulations, Garrett. And I downloaded the Zoom app because I had a job interview this this, this morning and I needed the Zoom app. And it's perfect timing because now I get to view your wedding. Congratulations, Garrett. Congratulations to your lovely bride. The Gonzalez clan will become official in two weeks. Oh, thank you very much. Yes, you can absolutely come. I, I will. I will make sure to send you the link uh, so that you can you can check it out. Um, so, I guess you know before we get into the greatest fights of all time list, because you know we, we started from fifty, and we were doing about five uh, mm-hmm. a post, and I think we were doing doing that twice a oh. week. So right. so so we got we got to the top twenty pretty quickly, but then we decided to do single posts for the top 20 and we're doing still doing two week so it's a little bit slower but i I like it that way because you know if people want to watch some of these fights while they're reading the pieces you know there's not too many of them coming out it's only two week and some of these fights like you know we'll talk about the the last um you know the last few that that you've posted because i've never seen some of these and it's given me a chance to kind of click through the youtube and and check out, you know, a lot of the things that you're describing. But um, before we get there, I kind of want to bring it to today. There's been a lot of boxing on uh, ESPN with Top Ranked. I know Eddie Hearn is coming back soon with his DAZN stuff that is, like, literally at his house. <laughs> um, um, but, you know, with I think the last time you were here, we talked about Shakur Stevenson and and that was an interesting fight even though it was an overmatch fight but since then like it hasn't seemed like there's been really named guys on ESPN there's only been one real good fight in the month that boxing is big back on it's been five weeks because boxing came back to uh, June 9th so it's been five weeks the only fight worth watching is Joshua Franco's tremendous 12-round victory over Andrew Maloney to win a version of the 115-pound title. Other than that, there's nothing. it's been one jobber fight after another. I mean, Aram is just throwing garbage out there, and Eddie Hearn will be throwing garbage out there. I don't think, and we mentioned this before on your show, Garrett, that we'll see real competitive big-time fights until people are allowed back into the stadium. I know that they claim they've signed to, for Wilder and Fury to fight a third time in the Los Angeles uh, stadium where the Chargers play. They said there's, they, they, there'll be enough where they could have every other seat and have 20, 25,000. We'll see because <laughs> your, your state has done run amok with the corona. So I don't know. I don't know. But, I mean... I'm glad that there's boxing, but it's been brutal. And another thing, they take forever between fights. We're talking about there'll be four fights, uh, Garrett, two 10-rounders and two four-rounders, yet these cards go four hours because you got clowns like Mark Kriegel who won't shut the hell up talking and talking. You don't know shit about boxing. Shut up. Anyway, that's the only fight worth watching. We could get into real fights because that's all I got to say about the garbage that Aram has been um, churning out there. And the ratings show you why. Nobody's watching it because it's that competitive. On the Eddie Hearn side, he does have Katie Taylor fighting. I know that she was originally going to fight uh, Amanda Serrano. And that fight 
didn't happen, I think partly because I don't know, I don't know, there's some interesting things about about the Serrano side as far as why it didn't happen, but you know, I, I mean, it seems like he is putting some of his his, uh, his his talent out there rather than what we're seeing from um, from Aram. But be, just the fact that it's on DAZN, it really limits the viewers anyways. But uh, are yeah. you going to be watching those cards? The only fight I'm going to see is the Dillian White-Alexander Povetkin fight. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's the only thing worth watching. I'm watch- I'll look at the list and I'm like, damn, this is worse than Aram. Because at least Aram will have one good guy against a bum. These are bums versus bums other than Katie Taylor and and White and Povetkin. And um, shout out to your boy Duan. That's one of his favorite fighters out here right now, and Katie Taylor. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So, uh, oh, I know the one thing. Uh, other thing I was going to ask you. Like, there's lots of talk about fights happening. And, you know, a, a lot of times when you talk about fights... Even if they are, even if they are signed, they're they're still months and months away. But like you hear, you know, oh, Lomachenko is going to fight Lopez, and then like to me, it, it makes no sense. Like we just talked about, because there's no fans, it makes no sense to even push for these fights to happen now. But then they announce them, and then you you find out that the real story is like, oh yeah, you know, it's been talked about, but no one's signed a contract. There's so many hurdles involved to get a fight to happen a big time fight to happen as it is and now you add the fans and the gate which which takes away from the money mm-hmm. yeah it's just like this big confusion but i just like why do we hear these fights being talked about now when we know that they're not going to happen until it's all come back it's all coming from top rank the two biggest fights that have been put out there the three biggest fights they talked about all oh, joshua and fury have signed to fight twice next year there's no guarantee that's going to happen and now uh, Aram is claiming Wilder Fury, the third fight for December 16th and in September, Lopez versus Lomachenko, two huge fights, probably the two biggest fights you can make this year but how are you going to w- w- the audience, how are you going to get that gate, I know he's talking about California but that, that that's going to be a miracle, I know they're looking at December but this this Corona thing's not that ending anytime soon. And no. your state is in a major is in a major upheaval. I I don't see it happening. Well, Governor Newsom just closed it down again. Yeah, which means that we are back absolutely at square one. Square one, yeah. And those people like myself and and my family who have only time we go outside is to go to the grocery store or walk around the neighborhood to get some exercise. It's so frustrating because it was almost like we, you know, we were inside the the house for nothing. I mean, we didn't get sick, obviously, but right, right, you know, right. just just the, you know, it was almost like oh, I, I get maybe maybe we were just practicing. We were practicing for the real shutdown, which is now. And I, <laughs> I, I just hope you know I I hope that people take it seriously because the ones that don't take it seriously are the ones that are. You know, ruining it for everybody. So, you know, have you have you noticed, Garrett? I just tweeted this. Every significant personality that has come out and Chuck Woolery is the latest. (laughs) Yeah. Come out and stated that it's a hoax. Oh, this is all propaganda. They either get hit with the virus or somebody close to them gets hit. 
People, this is serious. I had an ex-girlfriend of mine last week die. She was only 35 years old. She died. Oh, my God. She, erroneously, she decided to go to, she lives in Miami. She decided to go to North Carolina. The day she came back, she collapsed in her husband's arms and died. This is no joke, ladies and gentlemen. No joke. So she didn't know that she had it? No. No, they didn't know until they rushed her to the hospital. By that time, it was too late. And she was affected because she's had major kidney issues since she was in her early 20s. Wow. Um, Okay. We'll change gears here because I do want to talk about these fights. Yes. Um, So quickly, let's go from 20 to 14. And I want to spend a decent amount of time talking about number 14 because i really never heard yes. of this fight before or either <laughs> fighter and and then but, but. and then I, I in doing my own you know my own little bit of research uh one of the fighters uh kiroga they did a documentary on him something like last year or something i don't know how i, I didn't know about that if you got the link send it to me because i would like to see that yeah there was a story in the san antonio newspaper from well, 2019 he, he- yeah, he's from San Antonio. That's the I got the tape the tape of the fight I got from a guy in San Antonio. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so I, I guess they did a documentary on him last year. So it, it may be worth, you know, doing some Google searches to see if it is really out there. But let, let so let's count down a little bit. So fight number 20, I think you know, every every big time fight fan has seen at least on tape or on YouTube, Larry Holmes and Kenny Norton. It's a very famous fight. Everybody but your boy to rock John LaRocca. I was, I was, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I told him he's got to go. He's got, especially if, if, if you want to do a thumbnail sketch of this fight, rounds 13, 14, and 15 are three of the greatest rounds in boxing history, and round 15 is on that Hagler-Hearns round one level of greatest rounds in the history of boxing. An incredible 13th round, Larry Holmes has Ken Norton ready to go. 14th round, Ken Norton turns the table around and has Larry Holmes ready to go. And in the 15th round, in the 15th and final round, Holmes is out on his feet as Norton for the first half of the round is banging away. He punches himself out. And the last half of the round, it's Holmes coming on. I mean, I was an 11-year-old, no, 10-year-old boy, because this happened in 78. I was a 10-year-old boy watching this fight. It was late on a Friday night on ABC with the legendary Howard Cosell doing the announcing job of his career with Garrett, the legendary referee Arthur McCanty as his color commentator. And to this day, I still haven't seen a better color commentator than Arthur McCanty. But McCanty... Didn't do it much because he was a referee. He didn't want to seem biased. Phenomenal. And whenever Cosell, whenever you have Cosell's respect as a color commentator, you shine because he makes you shine. And they did a phenomenal job of calling this act. I mean, I don't know how Cosell didn't have a heart attack. Oh, my. It was just great. <laughs> and that. So if you don't want to see the entire fight, rounds 13, 14, and 15 must watch in one of the five greatest heavyweight fights in the history of boxing. Yeah, I, I talked to Larry a long time ago on an old interview that I helped someone with. And we talked about the fight. But, you know, Larry is Larry is exactly, at least on the podcast that I did with him, 
as he is with the media, where it's very much about, you know, oh, I never got my respect. And, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. He's, he's very much like that. But, you know, when we're talking about that fight, I, I tried to make it an opportunity for him to, to gloat, right? Because it's one of the all-time greatest. But, you know, he, 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 was, he was very much Larry Holmes in, in, in that interview from talking to him. But, yeah, that, that, uh, that is class. I mean, that's historic and classic. So uh, fight number 19 was Duran against uh iran barkley and if you were a fight fan in the 90s you would see uh barkley kind of come out of nowhere and, and beat you know beat some some legends uh or, or some guys who who you never thought that he would have beaten um and he really made his name from those fights uh beating tommy hearns uh, and then with uh with this fight, you know, he faces Roberto Duran. This fight shocked me. I didn't think Duran had that one last great fight in him. At the time, I was going to school in New Orleans, so I didn't see the fight live. Uh, I got a videotape of it the following week, and I watched it, and I could not believe that a 37-year-old Duran had this last great fight in him, especially since Barkley had just come off his dramatic knockout victory of Thomas Hearns the, pr- the previous June. Duran, great performance. Last half of the fight, dominated, even knocked down the granite chin Barkley to seal the deal. And that was the last great hurrah for Duran. After that, you had the stinker against Sugar Ray Leonard in the third fight. And then du- after that, Duran was just fighting for a paycheck, which is chronicled in Duan and Garrett's podcast on the the Fab Four. All right, and then we have uh, Archie Moore, and the 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 thing that you wrote about in in the our our seventeenth our eighteenth fight here is just how history uh, with black fighters and and the the guys who were kind of in charge they didn't they didn't want to face the black fighters they didn't want to give them a chance. Nope. And uh, Yvonne Durrell is that how you pronounce the first name? Yeah, exactly, Yvonne Durrell. And he didn't really care, and he and he was he was very open to, to fighting Archie Moore, and and this is uh, fight number eighteen. Now, in the nineteen forties, all the light heavyweight champions until Joey Maxim ducked legit black heavyweights. I mean, light heavyweights. You had uh, Gus Lesnovich, who who was scared to death of Ezra Charles. Ezra Charles was probably the best fighter not named Sugar Ray Robinson in the 1940s. He was the man in the heavyweight division. As a Charles dominated Archie Moore. He beat Archie Moore several times. He beat Lloyd, Lloyd Marshall. He beat all the great other black heavyweight, light heavyweights. They could only fight each other because the light heavyweight champions are Billy Kahn. Everybody talks about his great performance against Joe Lewis. Refused to fight a black contenders. Gus Lenovich, Freddie Mills. They refused. The only black fighter that got a shot in the 1940s at a lightweight title was owned by the mob, Billy Fox. And he was a horrific fighter. The only reason he got a title shot was because he was owned by the mob. He was a bum. He was almost got knocked out by a jab against Jake LaMotta in a fight that was fixed for LaMotta to get knocked out. That's how horrible he was. Archie Moore gets the title, fights Yvonne Durrell. No one knows Archie Moore's real age. And in the first round, he's dropped three times. Uh, in the 1970s and 80s, that fight would have been stopped because it would have been a three knockdown rule. 
a referee gave Archie Moore uh, the, the chance, and Archie Moore finally came back and knocked out Darrell in the 11th round in a great fight that showed the heart and courage of the old mongoose, Archie Moore. And then uh, your next fight is another fight that I'd never seen before. Um, Danny Lopez and Mike Ayala, Little Red oh. Lopez, and and, and the right. photo that I that I found, like Danny Lopez was literally on the cover of Sports Illustrated <laughs> because Danny Lopez was the Arturo Gatti of the 1970s. Danny Little Red Lopez was a warrior. He'd go in there and he uh, he had like a he had less Mexican heritage in his bloodline than you. He might have been a he might have been a fifth Mexican. His uh, I think his father was Irish, and his mother was Cherokee with some Mexican in her. Um, but he used his mother's last name, not his father's last name. And he went to California, and in California, that was the land, especially Los Angeles the land of the Mexican-American boxers, and he was treated as one, even though he really wasn't. He was a warrior. There was a great fight that almost made my top 50, him and Bobby Schoolboy Chacon, an incredible fight in which Chacon knocked out Danny Glory Lopez. These were, these were when they were two young, undefeated fighters. This was a great fight. The first fight I ever saw uh, Garrett where when the referee stopped the fight, he changed his he changed his <laughs> mind and restarted it. But and Ayala, Mike Ayala was sh- shot up heroin in his system Oof. right before the fight started. Jesus. He fought 15 rounds high on heroin and he fought the fight of his life. Mike Ayala fought three times for world title, lost all three times, and drug addiction took his toll on his career. Did, did he have heroin in his system all three times? I, don't, I, I doubt it. I doubt it. I think he might have learned for the first time. But he did go to rehab several times. And you said he's still he's still in boxing today, right? I, last I heard of, he was uh, with, with, with uh, his family with training fighters. Uh, his brother went back to jail. His brother, Tony Ayala, Tony Ayala Jr., in the early 80s, was the, at 19 years old, was the closest thing you ever saw to Roberto Duran was a serial rapist, mm. went to prison, came back out of prison and resumed his career and got knocked out by Yuri Boy Campos. You remember him, guy who fought everybody. Oh, yeah. And, and then went back to jail because he tried to break into a young girl's uh, house by going through the window. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah, and, um, yeah, Daddy Little Red Lopez. <laughs> and... Mike Ayala and Mike Ayala's little brother Tony Ayala Jr. All right, and then number sixteen is uh, Wilfredo Gomez and Lupe Pintor, uh, a couple of one hundred and twenty-two pounders. The greatest fight ever between a Mexican and a Puerto Rican. This was an absolute war, and it stole the show because that night. The main event was Thomas Hearns versus Wilfred Benitez for Benitez's WBC super welterweight title. Hearns won the fight rather easily because no one outboxes Hearns and Benitez didn't try to slug with Hearns and Hearns safely jabbed and outboxed Benitez in route to a 15-round unanimous decision. But the fight that stole the show was the semifinal, the fight between Pintor and uh, Gomez. 
Gomez was coming off a year prior. He had in a fight that was earlier in the list, his loss to Salvador Sanchez in the single biggest fight ever between a Puerto Rican and a Mexican, the Battle of the Little Giants. Salvador breaking my father and, 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 and my heart as he destroyed Gomez in the eighth round and knocked him out. This was Gomez's return to uh, prominence and um, his last fight in the 122-pound division. And later down the year, he will be one of the subjects I'll write about in the greatest 122-pound fighters of all time. And then number 15 is a fight from last year. Inoue and Donaire. This was on DAZN, right? Because I remember... Yes. At 6 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I remember waking up and realizing that I missed the live viewing of it and then having to go back uh, and watch it already knowing what happened. So it kind of hurt the viewing. But um, this... uh, My question for you is, you know, I think Inoue is on a lot of... uh, is very high on a lot of lists... Did you did did you give Donaire as much of a shot at hanging in there and making this as competitive as he did before the fight started? The last few years, Donaire has shown me to be a shot fighter. Right. Uh, the only thing that Donaire had going for him is he had never lost at bantamweight before. That's the only thing. All his losses and knockout losses have been at one twenty two and one twenty six. He came back to one eighteen, and so. He's a nat- he's the naturally bigger guy, but I didn't think he had a shot against Inoue. Inoue is the Japanese Thomas Hearns. He's got a spectacular jab. He's got a right hand from hell. He's got all he's got a spectacular left hook. He's got all the weapons and he has been tall for his weight class. Donaire was the first guy that actually was either as tall or taller than him. Donaire put on a spectacular performance. This is one of the few fights in boxing history where both men won. And that left hook that uh, you know he landed in the 11th round that ho- that had Donaire running across the stream, cr- across the ring screaming, falling to the canvas, and then the referee gave him a long count. He was knocked out. He got he got up at like 14, 15. The referee was holding back from counting 10. But the referee gave him the benefit of doubt. And you know what? Donaire earned that benefit of doubt because of what he's achieved in his career and the incredible performance he put on that night. He might have done irreparable damage to Inoue. Inoue received a broken cheek, a, a, a fractured uh, cheekbone from that fight. So we don't know. He's had plenty of time to recover. He hasn't fought since then. We got to see what happens when he gets back in the ring. But an incredible fight. And I was hoping Donaire would retire off that fight, but he continues to fight. And um, it, it's, it's not going to end well for him if he continues to fight. He's 38 now. And then in number 14, which is uh, your most recent article that we published on Wednesday, you have Kiroga against Prince Akeem. And this fight happened in the summer of 91, and it took you six months to get <laughs> a copy of the vi- the videotape. And, you know, for people who are, uh, you know, as old as us, they completely understand, you know, VHS and trying to find tapes of stuff that, right, right. you know, uh, that was on a local broadcast maybe. 
But for the, I'm sure for the people who are a little bit younger, they're like, what? People used to do that? There was yeah. no YouTube back, youngins. There was no YouTube back then. There was no, there was no, nothing of the sort. If you missed a fight, if you didn't record, if the fight wasn't telecast, and I didn't have cable either. So even if by some chance the fight was on pay-per-view, I couldn't get it. In the up until 1995, parts, several parts of Brooklyn and the Bronx did not have cable in New York City. You, 25 years ago, people didn't have cable in New York City. The biggest city on the planet, people didn't have access to cable. I, you're doing a show with The Rock, John LaRocca, which I'm loving. I want everybody to listen to this. Uh, the 1992, the second half of 1992, WCW Saturday Nights, the Bill Watts era. Yep. I didn't see any of those shows. Oh, wow. I didn't have cable. So I'm watching now. For the first time, and I'm enjoying what I'm seeing, and then I listen to your podcast. I only had the worldwide episodes mm-hmm. that aired on local New York uh, uh, WNBC. Yeah, and that's why syndication was such a big deal for both yeah. companies is because, Be- because a lot cable of places- was limited. Right. 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 Um, and so you got the tape. Do you remember what you traded for? It was – I traded USWA. What did it – you – uh, a year prior, there was a USWA title tournament. Dave and John definitely know about this. Mm-hmm. It was remember a wrestler named the Snowman. There was a black wrestler mm-hmm. named the Snowman. Mm-hmm. He was a USWA champion, and he left the promotion and he pawned the belt. He left the promotion and he pawned the belt, and so they had a one night tournament at in Memphis uh, with Terry Funk, Dick Slater, Jerry Lawler, Austin Idol. It was a one night. It was a great tournament. I'm, I'm sure the whole tournament's on YouTube, and uh, they showed it. They showed every round. Every Eddie Gilbert was in the tournament too, and I had it condensed. I had gotten it from another guy. The entire tournament condensed on one. So finally, there's this guy in Long Island. Um, his name is Steve Freelander. I don't know if Steve is still out there trading tapes, but you you would get. In the mail, he'd send you his dossier. I mean, it looked like 500 pages of tape. I mean, he had tapes from everywhere. And I used to buy and trade with him all the time. I reached out to him and said, do you know any? Do you know anybody that trades boxing? Because I've never traded boxing before. I told him about the fight. He got, he got back to me, and he would never take phone calls. Everything he did was by letter. I don't know. I think he was, I think he was paranoid. <laughs> Everything he did was my letter. So he said, and you can ask Dave and John. They probably know about this guy because this guy's legendary. He sent me a letter in the mail saying, Robert, I found a guy. This is his phone number. You can call him. Ba, ba, ba. I called the guy. The guy said, yeah, I got that fight. I got that fight. You got any USWA? You got any MSG cards? So I sent him a couple of MSG cards. He got he got the he thought he got the better of the trade because I sent him that whole USWA title tournament and a couple of MSG cards, two videotapes for that one fight. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and so I get it. New Year's Eve in the mail. And I'm like, yes, yes. I mean, I, I told my father about this fight. Now, interesting story. Back then, I couldn't even get a rundown of the fight from Ring Magazine because Ring Magazine had gone gone out of business mm. for a brief period of time. They didn't come back till 1992 when they were bought by the London Publishing Group, the group that used to 
published KO Magazine and Pro Wrestling Illustrated in the Aftermax. So I couldn't get a rundown. All I know is I keep hearing people talk about this incredible fight between these two unknown fighters. So we, so I'm watching it. My father and I watching it like it's live because we don't know who won. All we know it's a great fight. And we just watching and why we could not believe it was incredible. And my mother and my girlfriend at the time was like, look at these motherfuckers. They're not paying us no mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what's sad, well, it was a great fight. And if you haven't seen it, uh, people out there, listeners, go watch it. Go watch it. It's an incredible fight, give and take. And I thought Prince Akeem won the fight. I believe he was robbed, but it didn't matter. Seconds after the fight's over, he collapsed in the ring. And the videotape that I had, because it was a it was it, it was a it was it was a two-hour tape, but it only showed that fight and then it stopped. It cut off while he's unconscious on the ring. I'm like, what the fuck? What happened? He then all right, now I'm about to bring up something else that people don't people young people today under the age of 30 wouldn't know what the <laughs> hell I'm talking about. I went to the library two days later and I looked up microfilm, which was the internet of the 1960s. Oh yeah. oh yeah. <laughs> I looked up the fight on microfilm and I and I see from the, and I see that yes, matter of fact, they even had a, a brief article, not a brief, not an article, but a brief, uh, what you call those little inserts that they have in the paper? Uh-huh. Yeah. And it was an insert of the fight and how he collapsed into a coma in the national. Your boy Dave was writing for the national at the time. And so they had a little insert on it. And I finally, San Antonio newspaper talked about the whole thing and about how he almost died and Doctors told him he couldn't fight anymore. Well, Kid Akeem Anafawashi, that's how you say his last name, went back to Nigeria. He's a Nigerian native. He was forced to go back to Nigeria, matter of fact, because he became a drug trafficker because he couldn't fight anymore. Got busted and was sent back to Africa. He was sent back to Nigeria. While in Nigeria, he he's, he's 25 years old now. He's 20, he's 22 during this fight. Three years later, he tries to come back in his homeland of Nigeria, and he gets killed during a sparring session. That's crazy. But it, but Kuroga, he had no he had no business in the ring, and Kuroga. Yeah, he. I mean, he meets a nasty ending as well. He was this fight. Not only did this fight end Kid Akeem's career because he never fought again, other than that sparring session that that put him six feet under. Kuroga lost his title right away. And he was shot. He retired young. Both of these guys retired before the age of 25. And then in 2004, during a card game, he gets stabbed like 900 times and gets murdered. Yeah. Unreal. Boxing, if you, if, if, when you, when you look at all these great fights, there's always, not always, but a lot of the times, there's a tragic ending. We look at it. Look at Arturo Gatti. What happened with his life after the Mickey Ward fights and all the great fights he had? The CTE is 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 a real thing in boxing, yeah. and that's why that's why I told you. And I love another shout out to your boy Dave when he wrote about his father and Frank DeFord, mm-hmm. and he talked about how his father and Frank DeFord both hate 
while they loved boxing, hated it at the same moment because they they saw what great what happened to great fighters like Muhammad Ali oh, years yeah. later. Oh yeah. All right. Adapt. I mean, great. I mean, great insight by both Mr. Meltzer and Frank DeFord. That's why I don't watch women's boxing because I know what it does to a man. I could I could just imagine what it could do to a woman, and in all, in a, not all, but in a lot of these fights, you see the the, the the tragic ending, and then that's why I get pissed off when I hear people because this guy hit the the punching bag and the speed bag like a rhinoceros. Oh, let him make a comeback! No, Mike Tyson, sit your ass down and 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 do the do, do the Jericho shit. Leave it alone, right? <laughs> yeah, my, my, Mike. I, I, I've always thought that this was just a leverage pay for Mike to see if someone would literally pay him $50 million to fight. <laughs> There's a sucker born every minute, so anything's possible. I guess. Uh, okay, so uh, you, you, we will have number 13 up uh, by Friday, uh, which many people will listen to this on Friday. And then... Um, Next week, twelve and eleven, and you know I won't I won't spoil anything, but some big name fighters in both of those fights, including a fight that we talked about not too long ago. So great stuff coming now. Now you could you could spoil what number thirteen is. Is that the James Tony Vasily Giroff fight? Yes. Is that number thirteen? I mean, you want to see you want to see a guy. Go against a guy who's much bigger than him, doesn't move, stays in front of him the entire fight, and out punches. And you want to see a clinic and how to defend a fighter, a brawler inside? Watch this fight. This was an incredible fight. And that 12th round was just as good as the 15th round of Holmes and Norton. And what I loved about that round, Garrett, is... The last minute, while Jirov and Tony are going toe-to-toe, Jim Lampley, Emmanuel Stewart, and Larry Merchant, they're not announcing that. They let the action speak for itself when they go, Oh! Oh! (laughs) (laughs) Incredible fight. That's number 13 and well well worth the watch. And James Tony, one of my favorite fighters of all time. And I wrote an article about him that you'll be publishing in a couple of months. Awesome. Uh, okay, so also just want to uh, let folks know that you've already written your uh, greatest super middleweights of all time. I just haven't published them yet because I don't want to take away from this uh, this list of the greatest fights of all time because I, I want to make sure people read those. And then once we get through this uh, in the next six weeks or so, then I'll start publishing the hey, super middleweights getting- of all time. I'm getting... I'm getting great feedback on Twitter about this series, this greatest fight series, and sending people. I'm sending more traffic to your website because dudes are like, "Wow, man, I never saw this fight. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, so they they they're loving it, and no one is no one is bitching and moaning about my rankings. I haven't gotten any complaints. Like I said before, uh, Garrett, the top three, I will. I will I would I will put a, a gun to your head and say these are the greatest three when you see the top three. Mm-hmm. But from four to twenty-five, I'm not gonna argue with you. If you think the fourth best should have been the fifteenth best and vice versa, because there's not much margin. As you can see in each of these fights, there's not much margin. But the top three are special, and you'll see why. 
All right. So, um, so yeah. So we got we got six more weeks of these, and then uh, you're also kind of getting getting a greatest knockouts of all time uh, list prepared as well. So we'll have content from you throughout the end of this year, and uh, it's been it's been a blast. I, I've been loving reading these things. I know everyone I talk to, uh, you know, who who reads them, that they really enjoy it. So great work on these, and I can't wait to read the uh, the rest of them. And 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 shout out to your co-host John. John, get a chance, man. If you can't even see the whole f- fifteen rounds, watch thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen, and you'll see what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So uh, so that'll be it from here. So thanks to Robert for hanging out with us. Obviously, thanks to John. I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.